Greetings from the Classic City. I am Jamie Cheek. This is A View from the Couch. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. And we are finally here. It's game week, baby. It's time for Georgia and Clemson this Saturday night, 7.30, ABC Game of the Week. Kirk Herbstreet, Chris Fowler, game day is in town. The Dogs and the Tigers, Saturday night in Charlotte. We have a very special episode for you today. Jeremy Timmerman and I sat down and had about an hour-long interview about this game. And really, you know, later in the week, we're going to get to the breakdown of Georgia. Most of the folks that listen to this podcast are Georgia fans. We're going to go in-depth with Georgia. But there was no way that I could give the kind of detailed analysis that you're going to get over the next hour or so as you hear Jeremy answer all the important questions about the Clemson Tigers. So this episode today is an interview that Jeremy and I did in the last couple of days. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, He has his own podcast that he started now. So anywhere you enjoy podcasts, look for 3rd and 15. He talks about it at the beginning of the episode. I listen to it every single uh, week when he publishes. And it's a very interesting point of view for college football it's it's not necessarily centered on Clemson it's not centered on Clemson at all he goes over the entire landscape of college football and he has a very interesting perspective so I hope you'll give third and 15 a listen and I hope you enjoy today's episode all right well we are here with Jeremy Timmerman who just in the last couple months has started his own podcast Jeremy plug the podcast a little bit for people who haven't found you yet Oh, we're just going to go get right into that then. Yeah, so it's, right it's into third it. and 15, all numbers, and is the ampersand, uh, third and 15 podcast. Uh, it, even though I'm here today with my Clemson hat on, not really, I don't have my Clemson hat on, but <laughs> the, my, my uh, hypothetical Clemson hat, I guess it would be, um, I – that podcast is more of a general college football podcast. So uh, we're talking a lot about the playoffs. One of my goals is to – kind of point out all the ways that the playoffs don't necessarily have to make uh, the regular season less interesting. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're, we're, we're going to talk a lot about games that, that you might not expect that have could have playoff implications. But yeah, so it's a lot of fun. We're having a good time. And um, check me out. Absolutely. Check him out. Even though for most of the folks that listen to this, probably Georgia fans, you're probably not going to like a lot of what Jeremy has to say today. Still check him out. The podcast is really good. Uh, and I have uh, I've really enjoyed it. Exactly for what you just said. It's not just your standard list. I'm going to talk about the the same stuff that everybody else is talking about. It does seem to have a different perspective and a different slant, and that's been really enjoyable for me. Appreciate it. So, Jeremy, I want to start here. So, as a Clemson fan, how are you approaching? Like, how do you feel about this game? What's the mindset that you have heading into this big game on Saturday night? I have gone up and down on this game for like six months now. Um, I was pretty low on Clemson uh, seven months ago, back eight months ago after the the Ohio State loss. Uh, I, I I felt like maybe we weren't going in a great direction, um, but that's 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 understandable, I guess, after a loss like that. But as the summer's gone up and down, and Georgia's gone up and down, and Clemson's gone up and down, and we've all we've all had the roller coaster of the off season headlines. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, I feel like Clemson's in a, in, a, in a good spot in a lot of position groups, and uh, <laughs> not to not to kick you guys, but but Georgia's had some things develop that that I appreciate. I was not looking forward to how 
Clemson was going to match up with a 6'5", 230-pound wide receiver, or 6'5", 250, whatever that freak is. Uh, but, you know, he's not playing for you guys, I, I, apparently. Um, so right. so there's, there have been some headlines that have gone our way, and I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better about it right now. So from from the Georgia fan, well, I don't, I can't, I can't speak for all Georgia fans because I'll be honest, and let's let's get this out of the way early. If you're listening to this, I I dislike Georgia fans as much as anybody. I really do. <laughs> um, <laughs> most Georgia fans are completely ridiculous. Uh, I have tried to keep up with the message board this week, but the more I look, the more I'm just like, ah, I've got better things to do with my life than listen to this. So um, I, I feel like for myself, I am in a very similar situation, right? We didn't even have like a marquee game. We're playing Clemson, or not Clemson. <laughs> We're playing Cincinnati at noon on New Year's Day, which felt like it was about seven o'clock in the morning. Um, that game ends. It was not the most exciting game in the world. I mean, yeah, Georgia won, and it was close late, and it was a late field goal. But then at the end, you get to the go. Did we just have to kick a late field goal to beat Cincinnati? Is that where we are? Like, and Cincinnati was good last year. I'm not taking anything away from them, but I mean, from a talent standpoint, it's like, man, that that don't feel like that should have been that close. And and like you said, the ups and downs of the summer. You know, you get these transfers in, and they get hurt, <laughs> and then you know you, you you have George Pickens go down in the spring. Um, but in in a lot of ways, I want to try to start tonight by just talking a little bit about the context for the game because I've heard a lot of national pundits saying that the game, you know, trying to take a stance. Is it more important for Georgia or is it more important for Clemson? So I want to kick that to you. Who who needs this win more for the 2021 season? Uh, for me, uh, it's Clemson needs this win more because of the schedule. I'm not going to pretend to you that Clemson plays Clemson. Now, it's tough because – at the start of this run for Clemson in 2015, 2016, even into 2017, Clemson's schedule was not as weak as the average SEC fan would want you to believe it was. Right. But now it absolutely is. And it's nothing Clemson's done wrong. I mean, heck, they got two, they got four non-conference games, two of them were SEC teams. Um, but there's just not a lot else on the schedule because Clemson plays Georgia Tech every year. You guys can, can commiserate with us on that, how Georgia not, Tech adds nothing to your strength not. of schedule. And you got to play them every year. Uh, then NC State, Boston College, Syracuse, Pitt, FSU, Louisville, Connecticut. I mean, that's another. They only play one FB FCS team. Connecticut's a team that's not awful all the time, but they're awful right now. And then they finish out with Wake and South Carolina. Clemson does not, unless Florida State can do something against Notre Dame and build a you know build a little bit bit of momentum before late um late October there. Clemson doesn't have the wins on the schedule to really make up for a loss to Georgia. Now, and and, and I will I, I agree with that that for the twenty twenty one season for making the playoff, a Clemson loss is going to be harder. Now, I think Louisville is going to be a little bit better. I think Florida State has a chance to be better. I mean, not good, nowhere close to good. But that you're right though. Clemson really has suffered for the fact that they have become so dominant in the ACC. That there's really no other team that you could look at and go like there was last year when Notre Dame was in the conference, right? Where right. there was a game where like, hey, you lost the game to Notre Dame, but everybody recognized, hey, Notre Dame's good. There's no shame in losing that game, and then you get them again in the ACC championship game, and you're able to avenge that and move on to the playoff. 
there's not that this year unless a Louisville or a Florida State really comes up. Obviously, you have North Carolina sitting there on the other side of the conference. And, you know, how important, if Clemson loses this game to Georgia, how important is it for Clemson to be the biggest North Carolina fans in the world for the next three months? What they need to have happen, and this is something that I talk about with Virginia Tech when Justin Fuente, what he needs. But what Clemson needs, they don't need to care about whether Justin Fuente is keeping his job or not. They need Virginia Tech, Florida, or Virginia Tech, North Carolina, or Miami to be the juggernaut on the other side. They've gotten that a couple of times. North Carolina was very highly ranked when Clemson beat them in the ACC championship game in 2016, 2018, one of those years. Um, they got it with Miami in 2017 when Mark Rick had his one good run. Whew, at, that was a stinker of a game. At Miami. And, and Clemson benefited from that, right? That, that, right. That they – that they got Miami to be a well, hey, if, if Miami can beat Clemson, they can get in the playoffs. And then Clemson absolutely kicked them in the teeth for sixty minutes. Right, um, I think that was like a, a one versus ten or something like that. It might have it might have been even closer than that. I think it was like a one or two versus six or something like that. Wow, and it, and it was like a forty point game. It, it was, was I think it was thirty eight to three. I mean, it was yeah. and it was it could have been uglier than that. It right. was just it was a thirty eight to three game. So. Uh, Clemson needs that badly this year because yeah. even even with a win over Georgia, unless they just beat the tar out of Georgia, which I don't think is going to happen, that win is only going to carry them so far because at some point they're going to have a game where they're going to go play. Uh, let's see, we got any Thursday games this year? Oh, Friday, perfect at the Carrier Dome. Screw that! <laughs> oh garbage. my gosh, it's like catch twenty two, isn't it? Listen, if I was – you guys don't have to deal with this garbage in the SEC where Clemson is a six-time defending conference champion. They've won two national titles in the last five or six years. They're the only thing keeping the ACC remotely relevant. Dabo should be able to walk into the ACC offices and say, don't you schedule me any weeknight road games ever. <laughs> and, 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 it, and it's not just a weeknight road game. It's the – Quite literally, the, we, the farthest you could go. Yeah, nobody else in the Southeast has to go play a road game in freaking New York in a in a small dome. And and if you look at it from a conference standpoint, why would the ACC do that? That is a trap game and a half. And and so you know, Clemson is going to have a game like that, whether it's that one or whether it's at Pitt the next week or whether it's at Louisville, like you you pointed out. They're going to have a game similar to the North Carolina game a couple years ago where they almost lose. And that's going to override um, the Georgia game a little bit. So even if they beat Georgia, unless they beat them really, really big, Clemson's going to need that one more shot in the arm at the end. So they badly need North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Miami to grab that other division by the reins the way Georgia's done in the SEC and make it where that's one more quality win that they can get. Now, as much as I agree with everything you just said about this season, for the program, Clemson is there. You know, yeah. Clemson Clemson's one of the best programs in the country, period. Full stop, that's it. So for Georgia, Georgia's that team that's like knocking on the door, but my thing and the thing that I've said I don't know if I've said on the podcast yet, but that I've said to people, as much as Georgia fans will say, well, Georgia can lose this game to Clemson, run the table, beat Alabama, and still make the playoff. And and yes, 
like what that person is describing will absolutely work. That will do it. If you say that's what happens, Georgia loses to Clemson, runs the table, beats Alabama, yes, they're in the playoff. The problem is come December 4th when that SEC championship game is happening, why in the world do you think Georgia could beat Alabama? Like, there's nothing about this program and where they've been for the last couple of years that makes you think that's even possible. The last time in the SEC championship game, LSU smoked us. And that was a great LSU team, but that's the point. Like, Georgia hasn't made that step up to be, oh, that's a great Georgia team that's able to smoke another team that's really good. So I feel like for the program, Georgia desperately needs this. Kirby Smart, you talked about it on on one of your shows. Kirby kind of needs this. Yeah, and, and, and here's the other thing about that. You know, these kids are 18 to 22. They aren't professionals. And as for as much as I think JT Daniels can be the quarterback that Georgia's been looking for, he's not 2020 Trevor Lawrence. Right. With right. two and a half years of experience. He's not uh, 2019 Jake Fromm, even. He's doesn't have a ton of game experience on his under his belt. So if he loses to Clemson in week one, and then it, they're hosting Arkansas on October 2nd, and Arkansas is as up for that game as they were in 2020, <laughs> and, 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 and Arkansas gives you what I just described with Clemson and Syracuse and, and all those games that, that Clemson has, if Arkansas gives you that game where it's, well, crap, why is it 24-21 Arkansas to start the fourth quarter? Right. If if JT Daniels doesn't have that experience of having beaten Clemson, can he beat Arkansas in that situation? And right. I don't know that Arkansas is the team. Maybe it's at Auburn the next week. Maybe it's right. when they play Florida in on on October thirtieth. But at some point there's gonna be adversity between Clemson and Alabama. And if that program loses to Clemson, will they have the the fortitude to win that that challenging game that's gonna come up? Yeah, in a lot of ways, from a Georgia's perspective, 2017 was like the last year we could be happy because you, you, uh, what, what you didn't I expect you? it. You did. You I told, told you. you. I told, told you. Didn't I? It was. It was it because like the whole thing just felt like a gift. It kind of came out of nowhere. You know, we're there in the first game of the season, and Eason gets hurt, and you're like, <laughs> "That's it. You can just go ahead and put a fork in this season." And then it turned out to be the best season that we had had in 20 years. And then it became, okay, now what are you going to do? And then it became expected. And so now it's, you know, if you don't beat Clemson, there's no other win on this schedule that is impressive. A lot like you were talking about the ACC. I know I know, Florida's ranked 13th now. They won't be when we play them in Jacksonville because they will, at that point, I think, have at least lost to LSU and Alabama. Oh, yeah, they got Alabama two loss. Yeah, they have Alabama at week three. So, like, that's, that's a two-loss Florida team that you're playing. So it's like you beat them, and that's a three-loss Florida team that you're playing that's lost to the three best teams they played. That doesn't mean anything. And I think that's the same issue that Clemson has in the ACC, that because they're so dominant, their wins end up meaning less because they add an L to everybody they play. That's kind of where Georgia's going to be in the East this year. And unless Auburn or Florida turn out to be a lot better than it it seems like they're going to be – those are going to be solid teams. I don't think anybody's going to be great on Georgia's schedule. So I just don't see how Georgia – you know, they just show up to Mercedes-Benz in December and decide that they're going to be one of the best teams in the country all of a sudden. Um, so let me ask you this, Jeremy. 
do you feel like you have any idea about either one of these teams? Like what for Clemson? Let's I guess that's the way we should do it. What do you know about Clemson? What I know is that uh, DJ Uyunglele has the strongest arm of a quarterback that Clemson's had <laughs> in this run, which right. is saying something because Todd Boyd, Todd Boyd was before this this actual run, but he didn't have a tiny arm, and Deshaun Watson didn't have a tiny arm, and Kelly Bryant did have a tiny arm. And <laughs> there was no reason for me to take a dig at Kelly. It wasn't, right there, but He's I a did. forgotten guy though. I'm glad you said yeah. it. Cause I would have forgotten he was in there. Yeah. He was in there for a year. And then Trevor Lawrence is like, you know, Peyton Manning 2.0. If you talk to uh pro scouts and DJ has a stronger arm than any of them. So I know that the arm strength there for DJ. I know, um, that Georgia fans don't want to hear this, but I like the secondary better now than I did when Darion Kendrick was coming <laughs> back. Um, I don't like that guy. Um, and I know that the Clemson receiving core is better than it was last year. Well, that's it. A month, a month <laughs> ago. Right. Well, and a month ago, we were sitting in a position where Georgia picked up a Reed Gilbert. We knew Pickens was out. But all you're hearing about from a Georgia perspective is how many weapons, maybe unproven weapons, but talented, very talented weapons that Georgia is going to be able to put in the receiving core around JT Daniels. Here we are a month later, and Arik Gilbert is not with the team. Hopefully he will, you know, outside of football, hopefully he gets his life straight and he's able to get back to, you know, football, but just normal, you know, productive life. Uh, which it seems like kind of what he's struggling with right now is just some mental health issues. Um, but then you also have Darnell Washington, who I think is the biggest matchup problem for any team Georgia will play all year long. I don't want any part of list- that dude. He's listed as doubtful. It does not seem like he is going to play. And if he does play, I don't think it's going to be the full experience. I mean, he's still 6'8". So he could just go out there and just like stand there and put his arm up and like, here, just throw me the ball right but, here. Nobody's going to catch it. You know what the biggest crutch to football coaches is? The biggest problem for football coaches is that, that it's football coaches. They're their own <laughs> biggest problem. A person like Darnell Washington, there is no daggum reason. If you get within 15 yards of the end zone, you should score a touchdown and Darnell Washington's on your team. And I'm not picking on Kirby Smart. Or his offensive coordinator. No coach uses that player the way they should, other than maybe Bill Belichick. And even Bill Belichick didn't do what I would have done with Rob Gronkowski. Every time you get in the red zone, just walk him in the end zone and tell him to put a hand up. Who's going right. to stop that? Well, Who's going to stop that? And and it does turn out. I think you know Georgia fans got tired of this under Mark. At least I got tired of this under Mark Rick. You know, it was a. But that's what they think we're going to do. So what we're really going to do is. Fill in the blank. You know, your well, first and goal at yeah, the five-yard line with Todd Gurley. It's like everybody knows we're going to run Todd. Right. Yeah, they, you're right. They do know that. And it's like, so what we're going to do is not run. It's like, what? I mean, well, and, and there's value in that thinking with Todd Gurley because, you know, Todd Gurley didn't run for 10 yards every time he touched the ball. Every time. I mean, most of the time he did. It felt like at least when Clemson played Todd Gurley, it felt like every time he touched the ball, we were looking at the back of his jersey. But – 
with somebody like a Darnell Washington, there's no reason you could. I am convinced you could walk down the field with him just going eight yards down the field and putting a hand you, up. You could, and, and, and there's and, nothing anybody can do about it. Not very much you, and, until the point where you go, okay, we're going to put one guy on the right side of him, one guy on the left side of him, and one guy in front of him. And if you throw a perfect pass, he'll still catch it because he's just five inches taller than everybody else on the field. But at that point, now we have a numbers problem. Yeah. <laughs> now, now there is somebody mathematically yeah. open. Exactly. But so, so football coaches, their biggest problem is football coaches. They they right. think like, well, if I just do that thing that's obviously going to work, then I'm not smart. Right. I, I, it doesn't show how innovative I can be if I just do the thing that any fool would do. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes be stupid. Just do the thing that works. It's, but, it's like it's like with Clemson. One, one thing that we're going to see on Saturday is there's going to be a running back. I don't know which one it is. Maybe it's the the new guy, Will Will Shipley. I think is his name. Maybe it's Lynn Day, Lynn J Dixon. Maybe it's uh, Kobe Pace. There's going to be a running back that's going to get a drive in the first quarter where Georgia can't touch him, and then he's not going to be the running back for the next drive. And that and, really, and that really and I'm going to hear off. a voice scream from Macon, Georgia. Yeah, and that really pays off because that's one of the reasons Clemson and Alabama have been very successful in the playoffs is because Clemson does that. So they got players in waves that have game experience. But in September, that's really, really frustrating when you're watching this guy. And I'm like, Texas A&M can't touch this guy. Why are we playing with our food when this guy could just run it right down Texas A&M's throat? And we're going to see that on Saturday. And And it is the prescription for losing a game you should win, right? Like, especially when it's a game like this. I mean, and this is, you know, I'm like you. I've gone up and down about it. Like, this week, I'm going to be just full disclosure. I don't know why, but I haven't gotten excited yet. I was more excited last week than I am this week. Now, that may be because I know what's coming on Saturday night. It's the same thing that's come so many Saturday nights when there's a big game disappointment you know I mean maybe maybe that's my own subconscious kind of blocking that for me but I asked you the question about Clemson and what you know about them and I'm, I'm a little surprised I have to be honest that you didn't talk about the defensive line so oh, I'm gonna ask them. you to do that yeah. now so talk, yeah. talk to me Brian Brise is was a guy that Georgia was really really hard on when they were trying to recruit him just like you know, Trevor Lawrence, just like a few other people that have ended up at Clemson, Georgia would have cut off uh, – Kirby Smart would have cut off his left arm to be able to get this guy, and he is an absolute beast. He's he's a monster. He is – I'm going to see if his, his height and weight is on his ESPN profile. He's a big mofo. He is 6'5", 300 pounds, and he came in as a freshman last year at 6'5", 300 pounds. And what I like about Brian Breesy is he's a guy somebody is going to get suplexed on Saturday night because he's got all he's got all the attitude and fire of a uh, James Skalski who keeps getting kicked out of football games and or God I'm drawing a blank on it Ben Bullware he's got that kind of playing attitude. But he's actually more talented. He's actually a five-star recruit. He's actually got the body type that he could go play in the NFL right now as a 19 or a 20-year-old. So he's just a monster. He plays in the middle. A lot of times you, you don't get a lot of those freak athlete guys in the middle of the defensive line, but that's where he is. Now he's no uh, – what's your guy, Jordan Davis? Jordan Davis. Different, built, different kind of player than that. Who's built like you know two refrigerators. Yes. Um, Breezy's not that. He's a little bit quicker. He looks – 
he looks and plays like he ought to be on the defensive end, but he's a defensive tackle. Um, and and, well, and he's that a lot can of fun. be he, – he's kind of like a Warren Sapp type who it, it's not – you know, Jordan Davis is more of a – he gets a little bit of a push, but he just occupies people, right? But but Breesy actually gets a pass rush from the interior of the line. I mean, he was second – tied for second in the team with four sacks last year. Clemson had a ton of sacks last year, and they were all spread out over the line, and a lot of those guys are back. Brandon Spector had four and a half sacks from linebacking. He's got a brother named Balen Spector who's a wide receiver, and that's not confusing at all. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> and uh, Miles Murphy, the uh, one of the defensive ends, he's also right. a sophomore. He had four sacks last year. Uh, what's Simpson's first name? I don't even remember. Trevor Trenton. Trenton Simpson, he's a sophomore. He's a linebacker. He had four sacks last year. So Clemson didn't have that 15-sack guy or 12-sack guy like you, you've seen a lot in the past, but they had several that had three and a half or more. Which in a lot of ways is worse, right? Like if you know you've got a guy like Clowney, I mean, it's hard enough to deal with that guy, but at least you know you got that guy. Yeah. And so it's like we got a game plan for that. You can't game plan for three down linemen and five linebackers. Like there's no way to game plan for everybody, yeah. right? No, and, and that's the advantage of the Clemson defensive line, and that's what we're hoping uh, this year will be because even with all that, the Clemson defense got their teeth kicked in um, by the Ohio State offense and by the Notre Dame offense the first time and 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 there, there were there were several games where the Clemson defense didn't look great and the hope is that this year with with a more more traditional Clemson defensive line because that's where that that rotation that I was talking about earlier has really paid off for Clemson in the past is they do hockey line changes almost on the defensive line throughout the game uh, so everybody's fresh and you get you know, different skill sets you got to block Breezy in the middle now, but next next drive you got to block Judah Davis in the middle, and and next drive we might roll Miles Murphy into the middle. So uh, there's a lot of balance, and there's a lot of different ways they can attack you up front. Um, I'm hoping the linebackers they weren't bad last year, but I'm hoping they can be a little bit more solid this year. Um, one loss there, Mike Davis. No, I'm sorry, Mike Davis isn't his name. Mike Jones is his name. Uh, transferred to is that LSU. Yeah, transferred to LSU. Don't know why. He was one of the better linebackers Clemson had. He was in line to start, and he just left. Um, the, the, the transfer portal does strange things sometimes. Usually I understand it, but this time I when I found out he was transferring, I was like, did he not want to be the starter at linebacker and seemingly the feature of the defense? All right. Um Really excited about Andrew Booth Jr. in the secondary. Uh, if you saw a, an acrobatic interception from Clemson last year, it was probably Andrew Booth. Um, so, but yeah, uh, yeah, the, the defensive line is is definitely a feature that I should have mentioned. Well, so for for a Clemson fan looking at this Georgia team, what scares you, if anything? Well, that defensive line for Georgia. I mean, the defensive line, uh, Clemson's running game. When things didn't go well last year, it was a lot of times it was the running game didn't get going. Travis Etienne did not have the final season at Clemson that that he came back for, and some of that was COVID. Um, sure, but like for instance, the Notre Dame loss, Travis Etienne had some really not great plays. He, he had a fumble, a fumble that got returned for a touchdown that was ended up being the difference in the game. Um, and so the running game wasn't as consistent. And this year, what you're going to see from Clemson is a little bit more of a uh, like a 2018-style rushing attack where there's three or four different backs and they're going to take different uh, – there, there are going to be some games where you're going to see Lynn J. Dixon take over and some Kobe Pace and some Will Shipley and some some of the other guys. 
Um, but that defensive line for Georgia scares the bejesus out of me. Uh, having to run with Jordan Davis in the middle of that line, eating up two and three offensive linemen is terrifying. And, and, and there's, there's just experience across that defensive line. And Georgia has been good at stopping the run. That's right. been Georgia's calling card. And Clemson is going to need – because what DJ Wangalale can't do, uh, Trevor can, could be a running back on his own. He's a lot faster than people realize. He could be a part of the speed rushing game. Uh, DJ's a runner, sort of, but he's not that kind of runner. He's more of a Taj Boyd type runner. And that ain't going to work against Georgia. Right, frankly, he he's not going to be able to sneak up the middle and get six yards against Jordan Davis. That's just not going to happen. Um, so I, I'm worried a bit about the running game getting going against that defensive line. Well, so Jeremy, give me maybe like one or two names that you know we know about DJ, we know about Miles Murphy, we know about Brian Breesy, and obviously we I can't believe we we've gotten this far and we haven't talked about Justin Ross. Um, I meant to go there a minute ago, but what? give me one or two names of players that maybe haven't really, from a national standpoint, really made like a lot of noise, but come Saturday night, we're going to hear their names called a lot. Well, the, the first one that, that I think we, we – I hope we're hearing a lot is um, Joseph Ngata, wide receiver. Uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that last year's Clemson team – if you looked at – and it was hard to find this. I looked at it this afternoon. But if you look at depth charts the way they looked coming in – you know, coming out of last spring, uh, for Clemson's wide receivers, you would have seen Justin Ross, uh, Cornell Powell, Amari Rogers. So two of those three were, were there. But then the next names that were going to be challenging for, for playing time, particularly with, with pushing Cornell Powell off the field some, were going to be Joseph Ngata and Frank Ladson. Well, on top of Justin Ross being gone all of last year, Ladson and Ngata were hurt a lot of last year. Ngata only had seven catches for 83 yards, and um, Frank Ladson had 18 for 281 and three touchdowns. But they were hurt a lot of last year. And Joseph Ngata is a guy that has been a name that Clemson's been looking to, to take a bigger role for a couple of years now. He's a junior. He's 6'3", 220 out of California. Um, he's got that lid ripper. That's, that's my term. Mm, um, I like that. He's got that, and Ladson's the same way. The the guys that can just because they're six three, six four, and they can run, and they're that guy that the play the play sort of has broken down the, and, and you think the quarterback's throwing the ball away, and oh no, there's a guy open twenty five yards downfield. That's that's those guys, and they weren't there last year. And so Clemson, even with Trevor Lawrence, had to work for points a lot because while Cornell Powell and Amari Rogers are good receivers, they're NFL players now. They were not the kind of guy that can just take the lid right off the defense. Hmm. Um, and now Clemson's got three of those um, with with Justin Ross, Joe's Vingada, and Frank Ladson. So uh, Ladson too, but mainly Ngata is the one in the receiving game that I think we're going to – I'm hoping we're going to hear a lot from on Saturday night. Um, another one that I, that I think we, we're, we're going to hear from on the defensive side of the ball um, – and I mentioned him a little bit earlier as Trenton Simpson. He's he's a guy that that's a lot of folks are saying that he's the reason that Mike Jones left and his, and is at LSU now. That Trenton Simpson has has stepped forth. I'm pretty sure he was a four star, five star guy, and he's a guy that has kind of taken the reins at the linebacking position. So those those are the two names that I think we're going to hear from. Or I'm hoping we're going to hear from a lot because that's going to mean good things for the Tigers. 
You mentioned Justin Ross. I should have gotten here quicker because he, when healthy, is probably the best wide receiver in the country. So that's my question. Uh, you know, we talked about Darnell Washington earlier, and you know, at this point, I think I don't think he will play. I think he will travel. He'll be standing on the sideline, but I don't think he's going to play. Um, is Justin Ross healthy enough to? seriously contribute or is it more a situation that they want to go ahead and start knocking off some of the rust from not playing last year but they don't expect him to exactly be Justin Ross just yet and and from my understanding now Clemson plays some of the same games Georgia does um but my understanding is that Ross has been practicing he was practicing last year Hmm. not contact because it was a spinal injury but he was running routes running plays running seven on seven, not seven on seven, but running, you know, uncontested plays even last year. Um, that it was the the issue of can he take contact? Can he play in a in a game? My opinion, if all of what I'm hearing is true, he's gonna be a full go on Saturday. Um that is terrible news. <laughs> I mean I think it's great news, but you I understand. Know, that, that that's where we're gonna have a difference of opinion. <laughs> but uh, Ross, from my understanding, and if it was any other position, this wouldn't be the case. If it was okay. any, if if he was a running back and they didn't find out until you know a month ago that he was going to be able to play, well, we, there'd be some issues. And if he was a lineman, there'd be some real issues. But because he was a receiver, and the goal is that Justin Ross doesn't get touched anyway. That we're <laughs> you know with a running back, they're going to take contact every time. With Justin Ross, we're hoping you don't get a lot of hits on him. Um, well, and, and I think that's, a, I, that's not something that I had heard, so that's some really good information there because there, the, the question would really be fitness, right? Like yeah. if he's cleared, he's healthy enough to play. My the understanding is, is yeah. My, my understanding, he's been running the whole time. Um, that is really not great to hear <laughs> from this I, side of the – Fortunately, I, of for me, I like that. I'd like to hear that Justin Ross is full. And, and again, they may have been playing games, and it may be something that we don't see Justin Ross – you know that, that he's out there two plays a series or something yeah. like that. The, but that's the other thing with the way Clemson they use wide receivers. The same way I talk about with running backs and, and defensive line is that anyway we were going to see series where you're going to look and go now why isn't Justin Ross in the game? Um, and sometimes that that's very frustrating. And then sometimes it's great when it's uh, the semifinals against Oklahoma and they found a way to lock down Justin Ross, but. Uh, that's okay because Joseph Ngata can play that position as just as well. Um, so that plays into his benefit that even if he's not exactly a hundred percent, even if he's not doesn't have his wind up, um, th- that's a part of the Clemson game plan anyway. That that they were going to rotate some five or six guys in the wide receiving position to begin with. All right, so. Before we get to kind of the the wrap-up thing that I wanted to do, I've been kind of peppering you with questions. I'll open myself up if you have any question that you want me to answer about this Georgia team. I'm going to go right to the heart. I'm going to put the sword right where it needs to be. How confident are you in JT Daniels in a big game? Uh, (laughs) Okay, so how confident am I? I am confident that if Georgia loses this game, it's not going to be because of JT Daniels. Okay. That, that is how confident I am. I am not so confident to say that Georgia is going to win the game because of JT Daniels. And I think that's 
that's the difference right now. And it, it all has to do with the matchup last year. Like we haven't seen JT Daniels again. I don't want to disrespect Cincinnati because they were a good team last year. But had the play like the, the New Year's six games worked out a little differently and had Georgia played Oklahoma, even though Oklahoma is not a juggernaut defensively, had Georgia done it against a team like Oklahoma, or I mean Texas A&M obviously not going to stay in conference in a bowl game or North Carolina. I, I just don't have the big lights were on, but it wasn't that it, it wasn't that orange paw across the field. And I do think that matters. JT Daniels has said as much. I think the, 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 the thing that makes me the most confident about him is actually probably the least Georgia thing about him because Kirby prides himself. You kind of alluded to it a moment ago. He prides himself about being the most boring interview and that the team is the most boring coach speak garbage crap all the time. Like it is hard to get any read about anything because everything's veiled. You know, Kirby, what are you hearing about the weather on that? Well, there'll be weather. There's going to, I don't know. I mean, whatever the weather is, we're going to have to play in it. They will if, too. If, yeah. if, 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 if it rains, we're going to, you know, we're going to plan for that. But if it's sunny, we're going to plan for that too, you know? So right. Uh, right. if it yeah. snows, I mean, God knows if it, if it rains frogs, we'll be ready for that too. Yeah. Well, we, we, we prepare, we prepare for everything. You guys don't have to. You're going to be in the press box. You know? Yeah. So JT Daniels is an open book. He's done a lot of interviews. And I don't know how he's been able to do that, but he's done a lot of interviews. He's talked about the fact that he is more nervous for this game than he's ever been for any game in his life. And it's not the scared kind of nervous. It's the excited kind of nervous. He understands how big this game is for the program, how big this game is for the season. And he's excited to be there. So that gives me a little bit of confidence. He doesn't seem at all uh, like a person who just personality-wise shies away from these kind of situations. There, you know, th- there are certain guys that are very polarizing in sports. Joe Burrow is one of those guys to me. Uh, I mean, talent-wise, he was off obviously off the chart in 2019, but he was also a pretty big jerk. You know, like if he's on your team, you're like, well, he's got confidence. If he's on any other team, you're like, that guy is a jerk. And so JT seems to have that quality. Let's put it that way. So if Georgia wins this game and you see JT Daniels doing an interview, you're going to want to punch them in the face. One, because he has a really stupid facial hair thing going on. <laughs> but also just because he's he's going to lean into it. Like if Georgia wins this game, they're going to grab him on the sidelines. They're going to do an interview with him. And he is going to say we're the best team in the country. I mean, he's not going to say it in those words, but he's basically going to say that. And so uh, it's – I definitely don't feel like he is going to be the issue. I think more than anything, the the biggest thing that I'm worried about going into the game – is the secondary because there's a lot of stars and not a lot of experience. So there's a lot of talent, you know, and and, and you talked about Kendrick, you know, you and I had a conversation right when it happened uh, about the perception of of Kendrick amongst Georgia fans versus, you know, a Clemson fan that's watched him for three years. Um, I mean, I'll be blunt with with about Darian Kendrick. Because this is something that you guys, that your fan base isn't going to hear up in Athens. I was disappointed when I found out that he wasn't going to go to the NFL draft and he was going to try to come back to Clemson. I was like, man, 
because I'm really excited about Andrew Booth, and I kind of felt like uh, Booth didn't get to play as much last year because Kendrick was playing, and I felt like Booth was better. And so when I when I found out that he was actually going to transfer or that he had gotten kicked off or whatever the situation was, it, it was, oh, no, Kendrick's gone. That's terrible. Now, Saturday, I'm uh, self-aware enough to know that there may come a point Saturday when – uh, Clemson's getting torched by JT Daniels and Darian Kendrick has two interceptions with one for a t- return for a touchdown that I'm going to go, Oh, maybe we were the problem, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm fully aware that that could happen. Well, but I, for now, I, you know, y- y'all have no, fun. Yeah. You're not missing. <laughs> and, 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 and I think that's, I think that's the, the difference is because you had a guy that you felt like was better at Clemson. Whereas for Georgia fans, we're looking at, Hey, we've got multiple freshmen who are redshirt freshmen, but have not seen considerable playing time. And then you're saying, "Hey, we got a three-year starter coming from Clemson." I don't care what his name is. I honestly don't even care how good his value is that he is a three-year starter coming from Clemson, or a guy who's been around for three years and a former starter coming from Clemson who's played in the college football playoff, who's played in a national championship game, like. It doesn't even matter as much, and I know this sounds a little bit backwards. It doesn't matter how he performed. It's just he's not going to be scared of the lights on Saturday night. Well, right. And that matters. That's the value he brings to Georgia is that he, you know, at the very least, he played defensive back uh, twice against Notre Dame last year, uh, played against Ohio State last year. He played against LSU in 2019. He played against – who did Clemson play in the semifinal? Oh, he played against Ohio State another time. So he's played in all these big games. He's played at Texas A&M. He was a wide receiver before that in some big games for Clemson. So Darren Kendrick has played in the big games that the Georgia fan, that Georgia's roster doesn't have a lot of guys that have played in those. And, and, um, and the reality is Georgia doesn't need him to be an All-American. We just need him to be decent. <laughs> like, right. And, and, and I think that is that kind of – that's the worry, right? Like – you know, you, you mentioned earlier Georgia's defensive line. Uh, Georgia's linebackers are also very good. That front seven, I've, I'm confident in that. So I do feel, and I will be surprised if Georgia struggles to stop the run, no matter who's running the ball, right? The problem is, you know, that the, the, the way you would say that in football, where we're going to stop the run and we're going to make DJ beat us. I'm afraid DJ could beat us. That's my fear. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Like, because and, and 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 obviously because of his you know supreme talent, but also because there's there's really good receivers going up against a lot of inexperience, and and it doesn't mean that Georgia can't perform. It doesn't mean that guys like Keely Ringo can't step up and 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 by Sunday morning be national names. But they're not right now, and and you know when you're talking about Justin Ross versus Keely Ringo, that doesn't make Kirby Smart feel good either. I promise you. Well, because here's the thing that, that doesn't get said about the SEC is that the SEC prepares every, everyone on the field in the SEC is seeing NFL talent across the line. They're seeing NFL starters. If you're an offensive lineman, five and six times a year, you're seeing defensive linemen that are going to play in the NFL. If you're a defensive lineman, five, six, seven, eight times a year, you're seeing offensive linemen that are going to play in the NFL. Nobody talks about the fact that mo- that there aren't a lot of starting NFL quarterbacks from the SEC. There just aren't. 
They're starting to be now because right. Alabama has turned around and decided, you know what, we can win even more if we can throw the ball. Like <laughs> they've started doing that, but before these last couple years, yeah. and even now, unless you play Alabama or or, or LSU that one year, you're right. not playing an NFL caliber quarterback. Whereas right. in the ACC, the ACC may not turn out a lot of NFL caliber players anywhere else. But Duke was terrible and turned out Daniel Jones. That's true. Um, Very true. Boston College was sort of good when Matt Ryan was there. They weren't a national power, but they were decent. You know, the ACC churns out these NFL caliber. Mitchell Trubisky, say what you will, he was an NFL starter. He was for uh, multiple years. And he played it in, and he played in the ACC. So, the, I say all that to say SEC defense is the re, part of the reason why guys like no Joe Burrow is great, but part of the reason why guys like Joe Burrow are able to do what they're able to do in a, in a defensive powerhouse conference is because there's not a lot of SEC teams that do what what LSU did and do what Alabama's been doing the last couple of years. So if I'm Georgia, that's what I'm worried about with Clemson is that DJ's played two games and he could start in the NFL tomorrow. <sighs> Yeah, that's a hundred percent right. I did, absolutely, <laughs> and I, as I'm thinking about it, you know, this is we're you know again full disclosure we're recording on Tuesday night. Uh, Jake Fromm just got cut from the Bills today. Uh, Georgia Twitter is flabbergasted because he looked really good in a preseason uh, game the other night, and and it's obvious that Georgia fans don't understand the preseason in the NFL at all. Uh, it said more of the fact that he was actually playing in that game about his long term prospects with the Bills than how he played in the game. If you're uh, playing I, in the fourth preseason game, they don't care. They, they um, don't care. They put the people <laughs> out there that if somebody gets broken tonight, I don't want to care tomorrow. That's who's playing today. If you're um, playing in the, in the last preseason game, it doesn't say – unless, unless you're in a battle for a position, you're probably getting cut. You, you know who the biggest Georgia fan that wasn't surprised today was? Jake Fromm. <laughs> he, he he wasn't surprised. I mean, he probably had hope that he wouldn't, but he wasn't surprised. So when you got a guy that won an SEC championship and played for a national championship, who's getting cut two years into being in the league, and like you said, I mean, and and you look at the quality of quarterbacks right now. Just just go DJ, Sam Howell, Derek King. That's that's three better, more proven quarterbacks than anybody you got in the SEC this year. Now, right. by the end of the year. We could be talking about Bryce Young. We could be talking about JT Daniels. Uh, I hope to God we're not talking about Emory Jones, but we could be. You know, whoever A and M's Matt Matt Corral at Ole Miss. Matt Corral, very good. You know, different kind of. You know, I don't know how that. That that, the problem with that Ole Miss offense is I don't know how that translates to the NFL, right? Like I just. But even there, Matt Corral is like Joe Burrow. How did Matt Corral end up in? How did Matt Corral end up in the SEC? Transferred. He wasn't good enough to start somewhere else. Right. (laughs) Right. And and sometimes you kept lightning in a bottle like with Joe Burrow. But uh, I'm saying all this to say that that, uh, the the challenge that Georgia will face is that the defensive backs and the defensive line, Clemson is just going to be different than anything they're going to face all year. It's different than anything they faced last year other than against Florida. I've got one more question, and then I want to kind of pivot towards the – the last kind of prediction style question that I have for you. This is, this is a little bit of a loaded question. So take a second if you need to. 
From a Clemson perspective, tell me the difference between Dabo and Kirby. <laughs> the difference between Dabo and Kirby, um, there couldn't be a bigger difference in two coaches. Um, and it's just I, I'm, Kirby was the, the Kirby became a head coach because he was the best assistant coach in the country. Right? I mean, right. I, there, yeah, there, are no. people, there, there are people that are going to argue that, but like when Kirby Smart at any point in the five years leading up to uh, Kirby Smart getting the job at Georgia, if he had wanted the job anywhere else in the country, he could have had it. Right? Is there Pretty a much, team? Yeah. If there was an opening and Kirby Smart called UCLA and said, hey, I kind of want to coach at UCLA, they'd have had him on the next, next thing smoking out of Tuscaloosa. Hundred percent. Dabo Swinney couldn't have gotten a job at Mercer <laughs> when he took the job at Clemson. Yeah. Um, he's he's the head coach at Clemson because he could recruit. He's the head coach at Clemson because the players liked him, and he didn't wet the bed in two thousand nine when they or two thousand eight when they handed him the keys. And um, yeah, so there couldn't be a bigger difference in in how they got there. Um, Kirby is Kirby could successfully run the game by himself. Hmm. Um, maybe not on offense, but like if they didn't have a defensive coordinator, they'd be fine. Uh, Clemson needs to have an offensive coordinator. Clemson needs to have a defensive coordinator because I don't know. Maybe now, ten or twelve years into being a full time head coach, whatever that math works out to be, um, maybe now Dabo could call a game, but Dabo couldn't call it. His first year as head coach, he could not have called a game on either side of the ball, I don't think. Um, he is the motivator. He's more of an NFL-style head coach. Mm. Not that he could coach in the NFL. That's not what I'm saying. But he's more of the NFL-style CEO of the program head coach than he is a Kirby Smart uh, X's and O's. I know this game like the back of my hand. Um, uh, Dabo is more fun. Kirby is no. definitely Kirby yeah. is definitely more fun than Nick Saban. But <laughs> well, I mean, uh, like everybody is more fun <laughs> yeah. than Nick Saban. Yeah. But 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 Kirby's more to that Nick Saban side where he's yeah. trying not to ruffle the media feathers. Dabo's trying to ruffle feathers. He's trying to take pot shots at his rivals. He's trying he voted Ohio like I moron he voted ohio state 11th in his coaches poll kirby probably doesn't fill out his coaches poll I, um, I he's he's never touched it i i am willing to put everything i have on that he if they tried to give it to him he would just like spit and walk away yeah no he, he kirby i guarantee you didn't fill his out um so th- th- they're night and day um so that that that's the main difference Strategically, uh, Dabo has won championships. That's the main difference between the two of them. I, what, I thought what, you may just start there. I appreciate that you were gentle and eased into it. Well, but, because yeah. that's the biggest difference. Because right. what what Dabo doesn't have to sell players on is that what we do works, right? Because it did right. twice, and it and 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 it's still working. And that's why yeah. when there's been these head to head recruiting matchups, you know, I, you know, some Georgia fans may hear what you just said and think. You know, Dabo can recruit. Well, Kirby can recruit. No, Kirby can recruit. But what I, Kirby can't tell a recruit is that what we do works. What Kirby can't tell a recruit is that, um, all right, kids, name me another pro, name me another head coach in the college football that can tell you right now I can beat Alabama. 
Right. Right. And, and, and Orgeron can beat Alabama when two is hurt. And even then, it takes him all 60 minutes. So they're all – suddenly I'm drawing a blank, Jamie. Is it 60 minutes in a college football game? All it day is, long, it, 60 minutes. Yeah. All right. Whew. Uh, I had a brain fart there. Uh, Ed Orgeron can say, well, yeah, when we had the best program we've ever had, the best team we've ever had, and uh, their best quarterback was out, we took we needed all 60 minutes to beat Alabama. Well, who who else in the country can say when we do what we do and we do it well, we can beat Alabama by 28? That's the advantage that Dabo has. And it's not really like I was just trying to tell you. It's not anything that he does. Right. It's just the system it, that he has in place works, and he can tell players that, and the evidence is there. And that's what Kirby's looking for. The irony of Dabo is that it's impossible to replicate Dabo, right? Like, No, you can't Kirby, do it. Kirby Smart is the, you know, at this point, I, I, I feel comfortable saying the most successful attempt to replicate Nick Saban. But that is a graveyard of failed experiments. You've got yeah. Jeremy Pruitt. You've got Jim McElwain. You know, these guys were supposed to be that, right? Like, we take the, the Saban assistant and we make them a head coach and then we will be Alabama. That's, that is I, somewhere, that's what ADs think. But there's no AD that could look and go, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to fire a pretty good coach and we're not going to go to the coordinator. We're, we're not going to go to the D coordinator or O coordinator. We're going to go to the wide receivers coach. And let's see what he does with it. And then it just turns out that he makes the program one of the best programs in the country, wins a couple national championships, and that's, that's the plan. I mean, if, if you're the AD and you're talking to the president and you say, hey, here's my plan, you just lost your job. Like, you can't do that. And, and, and I think it's it, – there, it, there will never be another Nick Saban, but I'm comfortable at this point saying there will never be another Dabo. It's, well, it's well, an original yeah. story. And the other thing that Clemson did that Georgia, you know, can't do now. They're they're too deep in it. Is Clemson was the anti SEC hmm. because when 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 Dabo took over in 2008. Uh, one of the reasons, one of the reasons that uh, Tommy Bowden was no longer employed, is they had Alabama in that opening night game in 2008 when Nick Saban said, "Oh yeah, we're here, guys," and beat the absolute brakes off of Clemson in, uh, I believe, in the Georgia Dome. Um, yes. And at that point, the SEC was dominating the national scene. They were winning every national championship, largely by defense and the running game and and we're going to the teams that win the sec are the ones that recruit big offensive linemen and big defensive linemen and they just pummel you to death well clemson went out and got a big arm quarterback and six six four receivers and threw the ball over the yard won a bunch of games 60 to 40 and then of course they were losing to south carolina they were losing maybe one other game in the year you know the florida state games um, but they built a brand as we can win 10 games every year with this offense, and now we're going to start adding defense. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to start recruiting on the defensive line. So they started by doing something wildly different than what the other successful teams in the region and in the country were doing. Then they added the piece that they needed. Thank you, Oklahoma, for deciding you wanted to have a Stoops brother as your defense coordinator <laughs> instead of Brent Venables. Thank you kindly. 
and Clemson turned it around and, and they built different and then started adding. So then once they started doing the things Alabama does, going and getting five-star defensive linemen, going and building up that offensive line, building up a running game, being more balanced on offense, once they did that, it was just completing the picture. Right. Yeah. 100%. That's a great answer. All right, Jeremy, I like to break things down with four options, okay? So since I'm asking you this and I'm going to give you the floor and let you kind of walk us through this, of the four possible outcomes of this game, Clemson, close win, Georgia, close win, Clemson, blowout, Georgia, blowout, rank those four possibilities for me. James, why do you do this to me? I, I think this is where we're all at. This is this is it. It's prediction time. So I mean, you know, how? Um, how yeah, I, I'm most confident in a Clemson close win um, because I think I think Clemson is the more complete team right now. Um, JT Daniels, my biggest knock on him, uh, he's got a bigger arm than George has had in a little while, but I don't think his arm is as big as he thinks it is. And there are some throws that he threw, particularly against Mississippi State. And I understand that's his first start. Um, some throws that Pickens had to come back and get that against a team like a Clemson, like an Alabama, like a Florida, like a well, not, probably not Florida, they're dumb. Um, but against a team with some secondary, uh, that ball is going to get picked off. Um, so now, of course, it's a full year later, he's got a, a real offseason under his belt. Maybe he's been better at that. But I just, I think Clemson's a little bit more complete right now. Um, I think Clemson close win is my first option. Um, then, of course, obviously Georgia close win has to be the second, just logically. Um, because if Clemson, if, if I think Clemson's likely to win by less than a touchdown, well, that means one more score by Georgia and they win by less than a touchdown. Um, and then I think Clemson in a blowout is more likely than Georgia in a blowout. Um, I don't think either of those things is going to happen. We're talking, uh, if I'm putting odds on it, I'm talking, uh, let's say 55% Clemson wins close. 40% Georgia wins close, 3% Clemson wins in a blowout, 2% Georgia wins in a blowout. You know, the, 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 that's the kind of odds we're talking about. But I, I do think that because of that experience we talked about, um, it's more likely that Clemson could get out there, get a 17 nothing lead in the first quarter, and Georgia's on their heels and doesn't know what to do. Um, then it is the reverse. Yep. Um, that, that's that, that's kind of where I see it. What about you? So for me, I, I I'm kind of obviously, and, and and this is this is the problem, right? With picking, like I don't know if it's my head or my heart. I I feel like if it's not now, when is it for Georgia? And it feels like this is a moment where, not because it makes sense, but because it's got to happen at some point. Georgia's recruited at too high a level. They've played at too high of a level to keep losing these type of games. they got to get one. The last game like this that Georgia won was the Rose Bowl on January 1st, 2018. It's been a minute, right? Like, that's that's closer to four years ago than, than, than anything. So, I feel like Georgia desperately needs this. And as much as I agreed with the way you laid out it being more important for Clemson this year – I think this is a pivotal point for the program, and I don't think Kirby Smart's not on the hot seat if he loses this game, no matter what the outcome is. Clemson win by 28. Kirby Smart is not on the hot seat. But this this could be the blackout Bama game 
of Kirby Smart's career from 2008 and Mark Rick, where you point to it, I you know five, six, seven years later and go, yeah, that's when it that that that's when it shifted. That's when it changed. So I would say Georgia close win is what I am hoping for and and legitimately believe could happen. Clemson close win, and then I then I'll shift it around. I think Clemson blowout, then Georgia blowout, right? And I'm right. right there with you. I think a close win by either one of these teams. I mean, it is going to be agonizing on Saturday night. This is not – this is one of those games you're excited about until the moment it starts. And then oh, you're man. like, oh, my God, this is going to be three hours and 45 minutes of torture because you don't – and I, I think for me, I don't know. Like, if, if who's the first – the, the the first run, who are we handing off to? I would assume it's Samir White, but I don't know. You know who's going to lead Georgia in receptions? I have no idea. I could probably, I think I could probably narrow it down to about six guys, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, no, it, there's there's just so many questions going into the game that it's not going to be fun unless it ends and you've won. That's the way it's fun. It's it's fun in hindsight. Oh man, wasn't that great? No, you're lying to yourself. It sucked. It was just miserable, but it's over now and you won, so you're happy. It's the worst kind of game to start the season with because it's the best kind of game to start the season with right. because we're fired up about this game, and especially for Georgia and Clemson. We've already talked about the schedule. We're going to spend the rest of this week, like we're going to text back and forth all week. We're going to – and listen, folks, we need to wrap this up, but Jamie and I could do this for literal hours. hours. We've done it. We've Power. done it at the beach where they will get to the condo at like 10 o'clock at night because Jamie had to work at Chick-fil-A and we'll sit down and next thing you know, it's three o'clock in the morning. And that's when Georgia and Clemson aren't playing a game in five days or four <laughs> days, whatever it is now. Um, so we could do this for hours. But the thing about this game is win or lose at the end of the game, we're going to sit down and go, oh, we don't get another one of those for like two months. At, at best, right? You know, it, you, it, you guys, it, it, you guys might get a game like that against Florida if everything oh, works works out for Florida. You might, right? Or it might be December before right. before. And for Clemson, it's going to be it's going to be December before we get another game that I feel that I get that kind of feeling about again. And I, I'm excited about it now, but you're right; it's going to be agonizing because what you don't want to happen is like. That play that's happened to every one of our teams where you get the ball first and there's a fumble on the opening play. Right. Right. (laughs) You've been waiting for months and and the first play, the ball's on the turf and now they got the ball on the 25 and they're going to score and we're going to (laughs) be losing immediately. As much as I think this game is going to end up being played in the, I don't know, I think mid 30s, I I really think that's where this game is going to be. As much as I think, if you told me it was like 3-3 three, three after the first quarter, I believe that. I 100% believe that. There's going to be like, I, I could absolutely believe this being like a very slow kind of, we're just feeling each other out, and then all of a sudden somebody like throws a sucker punch, and then it's like, okay, gloves off, let's go. And it's three quarters of just absolutely bananas football. Like, No, I uh, can see it. And, and you're right, this, this game for Georgia <sighs> – it's the best and worst time in, in Kirby's tenure for this game to happen. It's the best time because if Georgia wins this game, it is, see, we're here. See, 
this is what we've been doing. This is what the recruiting's been for. This is what the transfer process has led us to. This is where we are. We have built this team, and we can go out and win these games. But if you lose, it's four months of – or three months of can they win these games? When they get to the SEC championship game, can they beat Alabama? Can they beat Texas A&M? Um, and, and then you're right. I mean, and I, I've said as much. This game does not put Kirby on the hot seat. But this season could start pushing him towards the hot seat. And that starts Saturday. The, yeah, and, and, and the question after this game, there will be an opportunity, obviously, to, to analyze what happened, to look back and to break things down. And you're going to have guys that stepped up and played well, guys that we've never heard of that made the name for themselves. That's the, that's the best part of these kind of games is for the players. This is a showcase unlike anything else. And I, and I love – I mean, I know that there's, there's no real, like, college football commissioner – that makes sure that this game is not only in prime time, but is also really not up against anything else. It's not like you've got the Miami Alabama game kicking off at seven. And then this game at seven 30, like this is the game. If you're a college football fan and it's not a team that you follow playing at seven 38 or eight 30, you're watching this game because all of the eyes of the country are going to be on the game. No matter what happens, it's a great Hey, these are the kind of games these two programs play in. It's a great recruiting tool. I saw earlier today the list of recruits that are going to be at this game. I mean, just basically take the rivals top 100 and just just pick out like 25 of those dudes. And that's that's who's going to be at this game. So, it's a huge moment and that, you know, given where we've been over the last 18 months as a sports fan putting everything else aside, there's going to be a moment before kickoff where you're just like, ah, this is what it's supposed to feel like. This is why we love sports. And then yeah. the game's going to start. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and from an individual standpoint, the Heisman front runner next Monday is oh, yeah. going to be playing in this game. Absolutely. I don't know if it's JT Daniels. I don't know if it's DJ Uangole. I don't know if it's Justin Ross. I don't know if it's Zamir White. But somebody on one of these teams is going to have a monster offensive night that's going to put them in the spotlight as the early front runner for the Heisman. Well, and, and is there is there any chance that the winner of this game is not number two and pushing number one after this week? The winner of this game should be number one. Absolutely, they won't be. They won't be because that's not how we don't uh, vote uh, with our our heads. Unless Miami, listen, I've been. You know how much I hate Alabama. I've been gambling. <laughs> I've been and and we. I've been hoping because Alabama always gets one of these games to start the season. I've been hoping – I don't think Miami's the team to do it. But unless Miami is the team that finally sneaks up and beats Alabama in one of these uh, Jerry's World Showcase games, unless that's Miami this year, they're not going to be number one. But the winner of right. this game will have the best resume until at least the middle of the season just by beating the other team. Well, and, and, absolutely. So, yeah, the, the, the winner of this game is going to be number two in the country, and they'll be the team that everybody knows should be number one, but they're not. That's, th- that's what's at stake here, and I wish we could play this game every year. It should be played every year, and if you're, if you're a fan of either one of these teams, you, you, you can think back to how many good games, I believe. So 2002 and 2003, they opened the season against each other. Georgia managed to win both of those games. The 2002 game in Athens was a classic. I believe it was like, 30-28 or something like that. Yeah. The, the game the year after was a blowout at Clemson. Georgia Georgia won that game handily. 
But, you know, the stat that you've seen on the scroll for the last couple of days on ESPN has been the last time that Clemson lost an opening game, 2014 against Georgia. The last time Georgia was 0-1, 2013 against Clemson. That's why over the next couple of years, you know, this is the neutral site game. We haven't had that uh, in the rivalry. But this is the first of, I believe, three or four meetings over the next six or seven years. Uh, That's the scheduled meetings. We we could we could find ourselves in uh, games against each other in other situations. Uh, which would, I, I, I don't know like how that. much. I, like. Whew, uh, we would we would like that. That would be a nice thing to have happen. So yeah yeah. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much. I hope the Georgia fans and and just the football fans that listen to the podcast have uh, have gotten a little bit more perspective on Clemson that I absolutely could not provide. So we really appreciate you being here today. And as always, thank you. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to do it. I thought you were going to do it. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed hearing all you could ever want to know about the Clemson Tigers. We will be back later this week with our preview episode for this game that is going to you know, mostly center around Georgia and then my preview and my prediction for what's going to happen on Saturday night in Charlotte. I really enjoyed having the opportunity to talk to Jeremy. And as he said towards the end of the episode, this game should be played every year. And that's absolutely right. So we'll be back later this week with another episode that previews the games this weekend and also gives you the viewing guide, which I know a lot of people use as they are planning out what should be a very entertaining and exciting opening week of college football. Thank you again for listening, and as always, go dogs.